I'm Taylor Strecker, and this is Younger Uncovered, a podcast dedicated to all things younger. I think we need to declare today an official Team Charles holiday, because last night, the moment fans have been waiting for for literally five seasons has finally happened. Charles and Liza got it on. And in today's episode, we are breaking that all the way down and also talking about the other stuff that happened in episode 508, The Bubble. And I'm so excited to welcome today's guest, Younger's fabulous singing lady, Miss Sutton Foster. Hi. Hi. Oh, Sutton, this is the episode, girl. <laughs> Finally. She's blushing already. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so... I think everybody had a collective sigh of relief after yes. seeing last night's episode. The audience is so ravenous over you guys and the storylines, but they've been getting real pissed off. They've been getting pissed <laughs> off this season. I know. They've had lots of opinions. How does it feel, you know, when you see that the audience is getting frustrated? Because I know that you guys get frustrated, too, with this. Yes. And it's definitely been like this. Will they? Won't they? I felt like, uh, especially with the, the whole Charles romance, this has been sort of a long time coming, I think. Yes. But I also feel like if they had sent Charles and Liza off into the sunset, then we wouldn't have a show. Yeah. So that's sort of part of what makes Younger, I think, so exciting. And I love that fans are so super invested and that they are like getting so vocal about it. And so, yeah, I do feel like this episode um, was earned. You wait and you shall be rewarded. Yeah. It happened. Oh. It was so good. I have a lot of questions for you. Okay, great. I'm sorry. I can't. I have to go into it. Okay. The way that Charles and Liza had their romantic love scene, uh, it played out in a very grown-up fashion, which yeah. I loved. You know, there's jazz and there's scotch. And, you know, do you think that that was an appropriate way to have them consummate their love? Like, versus, like, Josh and Liza. It was, like, like rompy and wild and crazy. Yeah, I do. I do. It is, it's definitely a different relationship. Uh, like, every time Josh and Liza... It's like they bust through the door and clothes are flying. And it's like Charles and Liza, it's different. Though they also have been waiting for a long time for this moment. And so um, they sort of take it. They enjoy every moment of you, it, sort of heading into it. What do you think is better, going for like that Josh Liza, just like unadulterated passion or having that patience to wait? What do you think is the better payoff? I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a fan of both. <laughs> <laughs> I've had both. I've had both. They're both so, pretty good. Yeah, they're both pretty great. So it's, <laughs> I can't say that Charles and Liza are always going to be slow and patient, but I, I think for their first time, it was nice. It was a good sex. Yeah, yeah. It really was. Yeah. Um, so were you thinking about the fans' expectation while shooting the scene they've been waiting so long for? Totally. I mean, it is. it almost happened last season. Really? Yeah. So I think in the writer's room, they dubbed it, Charles and Liza ice skating because they didn't want anyone to see it. They have these big whiteboards and like when we would come visit and stuff, I'd be like, oh, we go ice skating? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and then I was like, I've never, I, I, I don't know how to ice skate. I can't do that. You know, I'm like panicking because I'm like, don't want to ice skate, <laughs> quote unquote. Because like last season we had like, there was like the dream sequence yes. and then we kind of like mash <sighs> it out in the office. And yeah. I think that they had sort of toyed with the idea that we would have consummated last season and then decided to wait for it this season. But I remember early in the season, I said to um, the writers won't tell us anything. <laughs> and so I went to Darren and I said, do I have reason to believe that I need to be partially naked at some point in the future? <laughs> and he said, episode eight, episode eight. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Oh my gosh. And then I went to Peter Herman and I was like, episode eight, episode eight. And we're like, oh God. So we started to panic and he right? started eating 
chicken breast and celery sticks. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that much. Like, you have to really get prepared for these scenes, right? Between the sex scenes and the Pam Pam outfit. Oh, and I girl, you know. look good. Oh, well, they gave me no warning on that. <laughs> I was like, you can't bring me back after hiatus without some warning. Um, but no, yeah, we knew we got we had warning. But then it's sort of this impending thing. You're like, okay, on Friday or whatever day we shot it, where mm-hmm. we were gonna have like sexy day you know and uh so we're like okay here we go but i can say this for like everybody in the cast we all genuinely love each other and we have such respect for each other but peter and i genuinely we really adore each other so it was um it was fun was that weird to say no i think that's a great thing thank god as opposed to like can't stand one another oh my god can you imagine no it would be horrible I'm sure there have been actors who have been in that oh, predicament. Oh, sure, and where it's a nightmare, and everyone pays for it. But I, I feel like we also the way it was shot. It, there was a giant crane in the room. Like I was like very what? sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we walked in. We're like, why is there a crane? There's a crane camera coming in, like that thing in Wally, you know, that like follows you around, like the eye. <laughs> so it was, you know, the least sexy room ever. But. Um, I was like, what type of angles are they trying to capture? But uh, yeah, it was it was fun and easy and and um, but all I remember is that he kept eating chicken breast and celery sticks, and I was like, please <laughs> stop doing that. I'm like eating a cookie. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, and how long did this scene take to shoot? We actually shot it pretty quickly. Peter Lauer was our director for it, and he's just fantastic. And he's also the one that shot the sexy stuff last season too. So we we feel super comfortable with him, and he had kind of set it up. He knew exactly how he wanted to shoot it. We sort of did it in like little chunks, which was great. And it's like choreographed. Would you say it's like dancing? Yeah, it's totally choreographed. There's no like free for all. (laughs) That doesn't really happen. So it is because they're trying to capture like certain moments. Well, it was perfectly done. I have chills even thinking about it. It was just like, oh, I'm like, if only it looked like that in real life. I know, right? (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if we all had an edited, beautiful, sexy moment? Yeah, it doesn't really work like that in real life. No, it doesn't. Perfectly lit. You know, no. So I got to interview Peter. He's amazing. Did he give you any specific notes? Because we were talking about like what it is to be a director and how you talk to the actors and, you know, the coaching that he does. One of my favorite things that Peter Lauer says when he gives a note, it's brilliant, is he comes in and he says, I think there's an opportunity here where we can do this. And he presents it like that as opposed to, I need you to do this. He puts it on you. And I'm like, yes, there is. There's opportunity (laughs) to do like these things. Um, I'm trying to think of like the sexy scene and if he gave any specific notes. It all happened kind of naturally, I feel like. And maybe that's because it's Peter Herman and I or something. Everything was just felt very natural and easy. And we have such an amazing everybody, like the, the camera crew, everyone. We was like we were all sort of in it together. And doing it together. We were all kind of doing it together. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's not just like two people in a room. There's like 20. So it's a little. But we kind of were like there's like kind of a crazy moment where we have to undress they stand on opposite sides of bed and they're undressing and they're staring at each other. And so I was like screaming because I'm like, what do I do now? What do I do now? And he's like, just take off your earring. I'm like, okay. And I'm like taking off my earring and and like trying not to lose my mind. And But they're, the giant crane is like, you know, it was insane. But then there was like one moment where it was kind of like a dance where the camera's trying to catch like certain moments and I'm you know, trying to like undo my dress without losing my mind. <laughs> so it's that's Peter Lauer too, really trying to like 
capture certain things so that we don't have to do it 4,000 times. Exactly. We only really we did like two or three takes of wow. each thing. so It was perfection. Yeah. Utter perfection. So the rest of this episode, Charles and Liza sneak around and steal romantic moments at the office. They make out in a stairwell, etc. Coincidentally, the newest empirical book in this episode is all about preserving the mystery in romance, hence the bubble. There's so much Charles doesn't know about Liza. Do you think the intrigue is part of her appeal for him? Even still. Well, we'll see, won't we? I guess. I know. Like now more everything's sort of on the table, isn't it? Although they're sneaking around and that's kind of hot. Oh, sneaking around is the best. I know. Slash most stressful. So we'll see. What is their relationship like if it's public and if it's all out there? Exactly. I don't know. Do you think that that, it will like lose that spark without that kind of naughty factor, if you will? I don't know. Sounds like you hope not. Well, I hope not. I'm very Team Charles, especially this season. Yeah. Are they just going to be like sitting around reading the paper? That was what Hillary brought up. (laughs) I know. Because she's a little Team Josh and she was like, what are they just going to talk about books all the time? I know. Yeah. So we'll see. Ooh. I I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I think that that's a lot of what the season and, you know, begins to explore, so. And when it comes to long-term relationships, is there anything left that is a mystery after, like, a certain amount of time? What is that certain amount of time? Just, like, in general, generally speaking. It's funny because we've been married almost four years, but you're right. Like, even when she was talking about keeping that that secret and that mystery, I was like, oh, yeah. What is that? Like, how do you sort of hold on to that mystery and intrigue? And now I'm getting all deep, but is there, like— comfort in the knowing of everything. I don't know. It's like a very delicate dance. I think it's more about finding a balance of that. I'm in a relationship where I'm completely myself. Mm-hmm. There there are no secrets that I know of. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I love that too. Like I'm kind of tired of all that stuff. I know. I'm too old to like. I I'm think like, that's what happens. I think we just get really, we age, we get a little tired. Yeah. And we don't need but all then, that but, excitement But anymore. do we, is there that need of, that we do need that thing? So that's why we watch younger. Exactly. <laughs> and we do need that newness, you know, and keep yeah, that, like, quote, unquote, spark that. alive. The only thing that my husband and I have ever done are we do secret dates. What's that? We call them um, you can't say no dates. The only rule is that you can't say no. But the other person plans the whole thing. So all I say is, OK, what kind of shoes do I need to wear and what do I how do I dress? They're so much fun. So the last one he took me on was um, a place in Times Square that I never would have gone to called Gullivan's gate, which is like this little miniature. It's so awesome. And we like walked around. I was like, okay. And then we like walk uptown and we took a jazz class at Lincoln Center. We learned about like the origins of jazz. And then we went to dinner at the place we've never been, like in Columbus Circle. And then we went and listened to jazz at Dizzy's in Time Warner. And he planned like the whole thing and he had like tickets. And I guess that's our biggest secret. The can't say no. And so then you're like, all right, here we go. I Can't love say that. no dates. I'm stealing it. It's actually kind of cool. And then you end up going to places that, especially in New York, like living in New York, you're Ugh. not often a tourist in New York. And so sometimes the can't say no dates are fun because you're like, we're going to the Empire State Building nope. and we're going <laughs> to can't say no. But it's, it actually makes it really fun. What was the best can't say no date? Oh, so this is perfect because it affects the episode. So this uh, past year for my birthday... My husband and my best friend and two other friends um, surprised me with like a sort of a can't say no birthday. And I had no idea where we were going. We ended up down in Battery Park and they took me on a carousel and it was the sea glass carousel. And I'd never seen it. I had no idea what we were doing. And I literally said, what is this place? And they were like, let's go. And so we rode the carousel and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I took a video of it. I take a video of the carousel as we're riding it. It was just like magical. And I I just never 
seen it in New York City. And I sent the video to Darren Starr. And I said, Darren, this place is awesome. We should totally shoot a scene here. And then they added it to episode eight. So that's why we were in the carousel. And I couldn't believe it because it showed up in the script because, you know, you try to like pitch ideas and stuff and like nothing ever happens. And I was like, oh my God, we're in the carousel. And so we shot the carousel scene. Oh God, it was like two in the morning um, on a freezing night. The whole crew got to ride like the carousel and everyone, it was so cool. And it's the most beautiful, magical little place. But that's what the can't say no dates are so great because you like end up finding like these little hidden treasures. I live right down there and I've never been to the carousel. It's really awesome. And especially in the summer, um, it's open later, I think. You can watch the sunset down there. And it's just beautiful, beautiful, magical little place. Very romantic. Okay, so some more dating in this episode. Lauren is dating someone new and surprise, it's Maggie's ex, Mulkey, which is so it kind of was like a gut punch a little bit, that yeah. moment. So Maggie and Mulkey are definitely not over each other. Is it okay to date a friend's ex if you Ugh. actually didn't know, though, that well, they were did, exes? Oh, yeah, yeah, but then you found then out you found later. Out, so then you have to do what? Well, you'd have to just talk to your friend about it. Right. Unless the friend is like, absolutely not. And like, I don't know. I think at that point, it's kind of fair game, don't you think? It's like almost too late to intervene. Yeah. I think if it's like an acquaintance, it's like, what can you really say? But it's tricky because Lauren and Maggie used to date. So it's... I want that to happen again. I know. Do we think? It's younger. Anything's possible. <laughs> Please. Um, and then also we've got a love triangle. Well, another love triangle. Kelsey, Jake, and Zane. Right, right, it's right. starting to collapse in this episode. So Zane is oh mad gosh. at Kelsey for getting involved with Jake, which leads to Zane uh, getting kicked off of Jake's book. Right. And then when Jake wants to move to NYC, but Kelsey pumps the brakes, then he gets mad and tries to get Kelsey off the book and Zane back on. Jake's really... Playing a lot of games. Who plays dirtier, Jake or Zane? You know what I love about this season is that we get to see a different side of Zane, Mm -hmm. which I think has humanized him. Because when he was introduced last season, I was like, oh, this guy. And, like, I understand, like, that ambition. And, like, that was sort of part of the game with him and um, Kelsey. But you see a different side of him this season. And I was like, oh, okay. You kind of understand, I guess, why he's the way he is. But you're like, all right, he's maybe he's not so bad. Because he has the opportunity to take the book back. But right. he says, no, this is Kelsey. This is her book. So he ends up kind of being the good guy at the end of the day when Jake totally. seemed so much to be. I know. So I think I think Zane's a good guy <laughs> deep down. But I also think he also is in love with Kelsey. True. Mm-hmm. I like them together. I like them together, too. His swagger scared me in the beginning. Yeah. But now I'm feeling like it's more of just, yeah, it's like a shield. Totally. And she has the same thing. Totally. They're really the same. Yep. Yep. Okay, so also in this episode, Pauline returns. Oh, that's right. Subtly hinting at revenge yeah. during a meeting with Liza. So do we think Pauline might plan a revenge? You know, it's just so complicated. What kind of revenge is Pauline going to do? I mean, unless she reveals. Reveal about a millennial. Which she could totally do, I guess. Do I really think that that secret getting out would destroy millennial? Because Kelsey still runs it and she's a millennial. What I think the show does well is that they keep the stakes so high. Mm -hmm. Especially this season with the L.L. Moore and everything going on. Could it withstand sort of another kind of scandal? Right. This idea of a scandal that an entire imprint is based on these two women running it and one of them is not a millennial. Mm. I just think that it could tarnish the brand. But I do think that Kelsey is, 
strong enough on her own that the brand would hold. I do too. What's going to happen to Liza? Where's she going to go? She'll, she'll move into the brownstone. This is what I say every podcast. I'm obsessed with the brownstone. It's a really nice brownstone. We love shooting there. We're like, who lives here? <laughs> Real estate in yeah. New York is everything. So the show, the reason we love it so much is it's comprised of like good female relationships and nice girls. They're not like a lot of mean girls. No. But would it be fun to see Pauline be like a villain? That's what I think is exciting about Pauline is that she isn't the villain. It would be so easy to make her the villain. Right. That's what I thought was so great about her is that she came in and Liza's like, oh my gosh, I understand you because I was you, you know? That's what I thought made it more interesting. If she had come in and just been like, then it would be like, what's the drama in that, you know? I mean, Pauline is complicated, but I also, it's more interesting to make her more relatable. But what's interesting is even in making Liza understanding her and, and, and liking her, fans still see her as a villain. You well, know? that was the thing when we had her on the podcast. She was like, I didn't abandon my children. Can we set the record straight? Right. She said, I was calling them. I was seeing them. Like, I mean, she was involved in their lives. And it's amazing because the audience, I mean, myself included, that didn't connect for me. Yeah. And so I was happy she kind of had an opportunity to finally set that record straight. Yeah. And in which case I realized I had an epiphany of, oh, my God, Liza and you are the same. Yeah. I was stuck in a marriage where I gave up my career. I raised my daughter. And it was the same type of thing. She just decided to... In the middle of her marriage, she decided to, like, go and claim her career. And this is the way she felt like she had to do it. And, of course, it's jarring because people are like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if you flip it around, if it was a man. It's like, well, he has to. Right. So, again, just another interesting conversation about how things are perceived with men and women. For a show that's funny and, you know, sitcom-y, it creates very important conversations. Oh, definitely. Uh, um, not something I adore so much is Charles's beard. What up with that? <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, what's with the beard? What's with the beard, bro? <laughs> I know. But I kind of love it because it's also like we're just seeing Charles in a new way. And um, they had to build the beard for him to wear because we block shoot. So we shoot two episodes at a time. So we shot episode seven and eight at the same time. So like one day he has a beard and one day he doesn't. So they created the beard because after one hiatus, he did a bunch of press and he had this beard. And it was like this, wow, man, Peter Herman, sexy beard, right? Well, yes. And he was so funny because he would like talk a little bit different with the beard on. He couldn't move his mouth as much. And then we would do like a kissing scene and it would like pop off. And they were like, all right, wait, someone would come in and like slap the beard back on. So it became this like annoying thing. But but the funny thing was trying to make him laugh with the beard on because he couldn't laugh. So we would try to make him laugh and he'd be like, because he couldn't like move his cheeks. So yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. Because it would fall It would fall off. It would like pop off and then the guy would come in to like fix it. And yeah. And he always smelled a little of whatever that Stuff is they put on. Yep. Yeah. So, um, And this episode ends with Charles pulling some major strings to protect his relationship with Liza, striking a deal with Pauline over rights to her book in exchange for her keeping quiet. Would you like to give us maybe a little hint as to where things might go from here without giving too much away? All I can say is Charles and Liza are definitely still trying to make things work. But the secrecy of their relationship becomes an issue. Oh, well done. But it's interesting for a character who, for five seasons, has had a secret. I feel like this season is all about Liza getting real and Liza growing up, ironically. And she's kind of tired of keeping secrets. But now she has a shared secret. Yeah, but 
she's tired of that. Oh, yeah. that's a good tease. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sutton, for joining me. I'm so thrilled. Yay. That was so much fun. Oh. I know I've said it before, but congratulations on season six. I'm so excited. Me too. <laughs> right? Because now I feel like we're kind of getting to the end of the season. So now I'm like, wait, I'm starting to panic. I know. And, <laughs> you know, in true younger fashion, Darren Starr, man, he knows how to end a season for fans wanting more. Ugh. Can we get like a lot of more seasons, please? Well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Sutton, you are the best. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, recapping the best episode with me. Whatever happens next Tuesday on Younger, join me right back here to dish all about it the very next day. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker, and this is Younger Uncovered. <laughs> 